not every trans person and not every non-binary person wants to explain to you what that is because we have to explain it every day. Like we have to explain it to our doctor. We have to explain it to a cop that pulls us over. We have to explain it fucking at the mall, comprando ropa, or like at the grocery store. I'm trying to get orange juice and I'm wearing a dress and I overhear some lady say some shit about how men shouldn't be wearing dresses. And I have to have that moment of like, do I turn around and say, not a man, so I can't wear a dress, or do I ignore it? Gustavo Mercado Muñiz is a Puerto Rican non-binary queer and the transgender program coordinator at the Pride Center of Vermont. On this episode of Latinx, Gustavo and I talk about many things, all having to do with the LGBTQ community and the intersection with the Latinx culture. This episode with Gustavo will be divided into two parts, so make sure to check out part two. Please note that this episode is half in English and half in Spanish, and it contains profanity. Hola, yo soy Andrea Márquez, and this is Latinx, a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for the new generation of Latinx. We want to go beyond listening. We're ready to speak up. So join me in conversation every week as I meet Latinx from all over, de diferentes colores y sabores. As you know, a podcast is a journey and I would love for you to follow this one. So join our community on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinikis and reach out. You can also find out more at our website at wearelatinikis.com. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I am doing okay. I'm enjoying the rain today. Where are you? Um, I'm in Burlington, Vermont. Vermont. Cool. Mm -hmm. I, have I been to Vermont? I don't know if I've been to Vermont, but I did read a book once. <laughs> I feel like that's how most Latinos have heard about Vermont if they're not like undocumented folks who are working here because we do have a huge population of folks um working like farmlands oh um but yeah most it's, Latinos have no idea where Vermont is I didn't either until I moved here <laughs> is it okay if I call you Gustavo do you have like a yes. name or a preference no Gustavo okay. is perfect Because there's people that really don't like their name. I have a friend whose name is Gustavo, and he's like, it's Tavo. It's strictly Tavo, yeah. and you can't call me Gustavo. And it's like, Literalmente okay. all of high school, it was Tavo, and oh. like nothing else. Um, pero since then, I'm totally fine with Gustavo. Cool. So I'm very excited to, to be able to speak to you about this. And let's begin. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Pues, hi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hi. I'm Gustavo. I use they them pronouns, um, ele pronouns in Spanish, which is relatively new to me. So that's a fun new thing to discover. Um, and then let's see. I am from Puerto Rico, born and raised. Um, I'm non-binary. I am queer. Right now I live in Vermont. Um, moved out of Puerto Rico at 18 for college, moved to New Hampshire, and then I worked at the school that I went to for a year before finding work that fit me better um, here in Vermont, which is why I am where I am. Wait, where in, where in New Hampshire did you go to school? I went to Dartmouth. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, you know. A mixed bag. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's Casi amazing. That's predominantly really cool. white institutions. Yeah, it, it uh, really is though, like of the Ivies. So I started school in 2012, took a mental health break in 2016, 
and then finished up in 2018, and that was amazing. I have it recorded on my phone as like oh an God. audio and I listen to it as like a motivational podcast every once in a while. Wow, you're so lucky. So, yeah, that is like, amazing. Este, fue un sitio que de verdad me, me dio un montón de oportunidades that I never would have considered. Like I ended up graduating with um, a bachelor's in gender and sexuality studies. Uh, I discovered my non-binary identity there because I was able to like connect and meet amazing queer people and specifically Latinx queer people, um, which was really important for me because even studying queer identities, I was like, oh, non-binary is something that like white people can do uh, because we can't do it as Latinos or like Latinx people. Uh, because I just didn't have the language. I didn't know what it looked like to be a Latinx non-binary person. And it was also a place that had a lot of like racism and classism and like trans and queer antagonism. Uh, so, you know, like I said, a mixed bag of a place to be at. And I think part of why I ended up leaving was just it held too much as a space. Um, and also I got like what ended up being my dream job right out of college, which was really cool. So I don't know if I've mentioned it already, but I'm the transgender program coordinator um, and an advocate with our anti-violence program here at the Pride Center of Vermont. I have so many questions right now. Um, <laughs> <Vale>. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know which one to begin with. Like, okay, because you mentioned something very interesting, which is as a Latino, you don't have those opportunities. It hasn't really gotten to us that like there are other ways to label ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I'm from the border and I'm sure my listeners at this point are so tired of hearing that because I always <laughs> start with that because I'm like, I need you to understand where this is coming from, right? Okay, I feel like it's really important to give context. Right, um, exactly. Like, I did not know that, so I am honored to know that about <laughs> you now. <laughs> Thank you. Rosario. And I'm sorry to your listeners who've listened to every episode and have heard it a lot. <laughs> yes, honestly, I'm sorry to you guys. Um, but you know, context. Exacto. Um, but growing up at the border, I being gay is 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 not something common. It's mm -hmm. not something that is even discussed. If anyone is brave enough, because I think that takes so much courage to be able to admit that in this society, in this environment, it wasn't something that we discussed. And, mm -hmm. and it's not, cause I don't come from, a, like my parents are very open and my mom went to architecture school. So all of the men she knew were basically gay. And <laughs> she like, there, it wasn't like this taboo thing. It was just not yeah. something we were really exposed to. So we didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then it I wasn't- I feel like in Latino culture, at least I can't speak for all Latino culture, but in Puerto Rico, it's very much like algo que se sabe pero no se cuenta or no se comenta. Um, it's just For like sure. things that you notice about other people, but you don't really talk about it. That's not exactly. a thing. Like, exactly. It's yeah. Not, and, and, and I mean, if you're lucky enough to be a Latino and grow up in a family that doesn't consider it as something in, inherently and morally wrong, mm -hmm. um, as I was lucky enough to grow up in a family who doesn't really care as long yep. as you get straight A's and go to a very good school. 
Así um, mismo, eh. It was like, you know, like it's different. Um, mm -hmm. And then you you go you grow up and and I went to college and you're and my undergrad I was at Columbia and uh -huh. New York, oh, right? What a great space. Sí, sabes, <laughs> o sea, very different to Dartmouth. <laughs> sí, definitivamente. So you all had things to do outside of your school. We had absolutely. the things that came to the school. That was absolutely it. As soon as you drove outside of like honestly outside of the campus borders. Um, the first thing you'd see 99.9% of the time is like a confederate flag and like billion dollar homes that are so far out of like reach for so many people. Fuera de la realidad. Exacto, exacto. Como que ni se imagina uno. No, no, no. La cantidad de dinero que existe en el área alrededor de Dartmouth. Y entonces, like right as you cross the bridge, it's like one of the highest poverty rates in all of New Hampshire. So it's just like, it's like really stark contrast. Right. And in both camps is a lot of like racism and xenophobia. Este, encima de todo eso. Jesus Christ. Well, <laughs> see, I didn't have that experience. I literally went from being in a bubble at the border and then going to like the most accepting campus where everyone is just <laughs> free to do whatever. And like, it's New York. so. And and it wasn't till I lived there that I I genuinely understood what other things were and labels mm -hmm. and it was and I'd go back and talk to my parents about that then they'd be like that's interesting we didn't even yeah. know that that was a possibility and um, I was I did I double majored and one of my majors was theater so I was a theater <gasps> kid just Amazing. to top it all off um, so I was surrounded I mean, like, by college this. regrets was absolutely not majoring in theater because like my go-to thing when I'm not working is listening to musical theater and like watching theater. What's este, your favorite? Do you have one? Oh, that's like picking between my children. <laughs> um, I think for a while it was like my first was Mamma Mia. Okay. I remember mi mamá me dio el CD because I was just talking their ear off on like a road trip. A ver a mi abuela en la parte sur de Puerto Rico. And she was like, have a CD player, shut the fuck up. Este, you'll like this. <laughs> and I burned through the CD that tantas veces que lo escuché corrido. Like, I burned a ring into it and had to get a new copy. Because it was just like, oh my God. <laughs> you have a lot of feelings and then you sing them because you can't talk about them. That's like my life. <laughs> so you had like, it, it has this, an emotional connection for you. Oh, yeah. One of the first, yeah. Y entonces, I think right now my favorite would probably be a tie between In the Heights, Billy Manuel Miranda, and Once on this Island, which is this, like, very, like, realismo mágico type of story about gods on an island that also deals with, like, a fictionalized version of the racism in, like, IP Santo Domingo. Um, Interesting. I, yeah. I haven't heard of it. It's... It's one that like, I feel like most folks who know some kind of musical theater don't know about. Um, and the most recent production that happened, I think it was, it closed in early 2019, um, gender bent some of the characters. So Alex okay. Newell, who I believe is non-binary or gender fluid, played the part of like the earth mother goddess. Um, and they were amazing. And it was just this like, new way to recognize 
like queerness as a part of like island histories and like how for a lot of indigenous and like African descended people in a lot of cultures, queerness and like gender fluidity was seen as something that was respected or honored by the gods and like by a lot of deities. And we lose a lot of that from, you know, los españoles destruyendo artefacto y un montón de información este, que existía acerca de, por el, hablando de Puerto Rico, la cultura taína, se pierde un montón con eso. Y, pero basado en lo que, lo que todavía sabemos como cultura y lo que hemos visto a través de otras poblaciones indígenas, we can tell that we've been around for a lot longer than the Spanish Catholic este, colonization would have us believe. And so that representation was really cool. It's like, it's not just a person on this island. It's like one of the deities that is like most honored is played by this non-binary person. So yeah, that's the, the new version is part of why it's risen to like my favorite. Hey guys, if you like our content, make sure to support us by downloading our episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Share with your community and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinikis. You can also find out more on our website at wearelatinikis.com. The closest thing right mm -hmm. now that I've encountered at my job, for example, was the big, 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 big issue or the big topic of changing from Latino and Latina to Latinx. Uh -huh. That was like a huge thing at my work. And we had a meeting about it and we were like, okay, so how are we going to say it now? How are we going to do it? Because everything, so we, we work for, with, for Spanish speakers in the United States. And claro. um, one of, a, well, one of my colleagues who is a boomer was uh -huh. like, our audiences aren't going to like us using Latinx. Like that is super unnecessary. It, it just makes no sense. Stop being ridiculous and inventing words. And, 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 and he didn't mean it in a way of like, I don't no, accept la the de como que es totalmente nuevo y exactly. es algo que no, no es parte de nuestra cultura. Exactly. It's, it's too new and people are not going to understand it. Was the, but I think like my, so a little bit of context, estando en, en universidad, my job was working with our like diversity office and I started out working as the intern for our queer center. And then a lot of things shifted and it ended up being that I worked pretty closely with um, a new person who was hired when I was a sophomore or when I was a junior. Um, and they were non-binary and from Cuba. Um, and they also ended up taking up the position of advisor to Latinx people. Um, and so, we worked really closely, we worked on a lot of initiatives, and one of the things we worked on was making that change of like, it used to be Latino slash uh, um, advising, and we, like, I was part of helping to make the change to Latinx, and to me, it was completely new. I was like, ¿Qué es esto? Like, en Puerto Rico no usamos la X para literalmente nada. Eh, like, es una de esas cosas que you use xylophone cuando la aprendes en el alfabeto, pero casi no se usa. Y me acuerdo pensar, pues esto no es algo que necesariamente like, haría clic con mi comunidad, con la gente que yo conozco, con mis papás, 
mis abuelos, like, pero al fin del día, it's about, like, who do we want to access our services? Like, si, estamos, si tenemos una plataforma pública y queremos ser, a, queremos ser un recurso para todas las personas latinas que, que puedan necesitar nuestros servicios, es una cuestión de decir, mira, puede que mucha gente no lo entienda y hay muchas personas que son parte de nuestras comunidades que no lo van a entender. Pero para las personas como yo, las personas no binarias o personas de género fluido que sean parte de la comunidad latinx y no se vean representados, ese cambio que es bastante mínimo en, este, en el scope de ser una organización, it's, it's like all of a sudden seeing your name for the first time. Like sorry, when you're a little kid and you see your name in some piece of media and you're like, ese soy yo. Like, it's this really awesome moment of like, oh shit, like I matter and like I'm valued here. And like the other thing I've been seeing a lot of coming out of cultures that, so for a lot of Mexican culture and a lot of like Central American Spanish speaking cultures, the X is a little more common and it's like a little bit more a part of language. But for cultures that struggle with the X, I've seen Latine, like usando la E como este alternativa al O o la A. So una persona Latine que habla español que no, no tenga esa experiencia, la E es un poco más, es un cambio un poco más suave. It's a bit of like a softer, gentler shift. No And it's also still really like gender affirming for a lot of people. So I know it's coming out of, originalmente sale de Argentina, este, que parece que hubo un montón de resistencia a usar la X y usar la X como este como final de palabra y empezaron a usar la E y rápido, like, it picked up a lot more on a, like, communal level. Y hay un video que salió hace unos cuantos años ya, pero a cada rato me aparece por social media. And it's um, this little girl from Argentina talking to her mom about how she got in trouble at school for talking about ellos, ellas y ellas in her work. Um, and so she like included non-binary folks with eres or eles. Um, and she, every time she talked, she used all three um, versions of the gendered pronoun in Spanish to make sure that she was including like kids. And this is like una nena posiblemente primero segundo grado, like chiquitina. Um, she's adorable. Pero estaba hablando de que hubo resistencia en su escuela y ella fue y habló con la principal de la escuela, like, had this whole conversation about why it was important to make sure that, like, we're recognizing this new thing as still valid because all that it's doing, it might be a bit of a shift for the people who haven't used it before. It's probably a shift for the people who feel honored and represented by that term. But what it's doing is making it more accessible for anybody in the community who doesn't identify as a binary gender, especialmente la gente que no sabe que tenemos otra opción. Porque, like, if Spanish is your first language or your family's language, even if it isn't your first, you grow up thinking of a lot of things as, like, binary, and specifically in the gender binary, of, like, hombre, mujer, o, ua, like, 
the options that you have are pretty limited. And when you break that open and you start using the X or you start using the E as another option, you remind kids, you remind adults, like, yo he conocido personas con 40, 50 años de edad estando aquí en Vermont trabajando con poblaciones este, inmigrantes that didn't know that they could be non-binary or that they could identify as what they knew inside of like, I'm not a man, I'm not a woman, but I don't have the language for it until they heard that, like until they heard somebody use Latinx or Latine. Um, and until they started like seeing that pop up more and more in Spanish speaking culture. Um, and it's still really new, like, obviamente, we're still having these conversations. We're still figuring out what does this mean for us as Latinos um, and Latines who have like a very rooted language. Este, el español para to casi todos nosotros es algo súper importante y para la gente brasilera, el portugués. Like, es algo súper importante y es parte de una de las raíces que nos une a nuestra cultura, especialmente for those of us who don't live where our families and our histories are. Like, Spanish is that big connector or that thing that ties you back to where you're coming from and where your family and your culture is coming from. And it can also be, like, para mí, so this is going into a lot of things, but I figured out that I was non-binary probably my first senior year of college in the middle of a conversation with that advisor that I mentioned before. And it was just kind of like they were talking about their childhood and how they saw gender and how they didn't really understand man things or woman things like las cosas para nene o las cosas para nena. No eran algo que que ella procesó como algo que aplicaba para ella. And then you talk about, like you look at, I looked at, let me put it that way. I looked at how I grew up and how, like my first experience of what in English is called gendering, era, este, en nuestra escuela teníamos una clase de baile y la maestra se había roto el pie. Y la, like, for that, little dance class session, she put on a Barbie movie because that was the movie she had with her. And it was like Barbie fairytopia or algo así. And I was immediately like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> like, I love this. This is great. There are fairies. It's colorful. Y era justo alrededor de Navidades. Y mis papás me preguntaron que quería pedirle a Santa y a los Reyes. And I was like, ah, okay. Y en mi lista, una de las cosas que incluí era las películas, like, the Barbie Mermaidia, Barbie Fairytopia, y todas esas que habíamos visto en clase. I was like, I want those. And I remember, like, part of the conversation with my parents was like, ah, esa cosa de nena. Like, Santa y los Reyes no le traen cosa de nena a los nenes. And I was like, yeah, cool, que tiene que ver conmigo. It was like, you talked about nena, you talked about nene. Ah. And then it was like, it took me a second to, like, fully process, like, oh, When they talk about nenes, they are talking about you. So they see you as a nene, like a boy. Um, cool, let me file that away <laughs> for like future use and understanding. And it took a really long time to work through that because I just kind of started fitting into boy things because it was the default category that was given to me. And I knew that I wasn't a girl. So the other option 
that I had was just being a boy. And then I was like, oh, I'm probably just a gay boy. And like, I came out pretty early. I came out in like end of seventh grade to my close friends and accidentally to all of my school in eighth grade. Um, and I was like, at the Wait, time- Wait, I wanna know what that accidentally to all of your school was. I can't not ask. <laughs> yeah, no, perfecto. I had come out to like my friends and like my core group of people. And they were like, yeah, no, this makes sense. Like story checks out. <laughs> I, you know, took, I rode that high of like, ah, this was cool with them. It'll be cool with other people. And just told somebody, like, I started telling people who were like on the outer circle of friends. And I probably, it's either that I said it este, mientras había alguien que podía escucharlo, o se lo dije a la persona que no era. Y se regó, literalmente, at the end of that school day, me llamó una, una de las maestras, me llamó a su salón, eh, hablar de que esto era algo que le habían mencionado, que había, ella había oído, que uno de sus estudiantes estaba diciendo de mí, y quería, like, básicamente alertarme de que esto es algo que estaba, que era tema de discusión en la escuela. Not even a week, or like two no, days. No, literalmente, really by the day. end of the day. End of the day. Este... Pueblo chiquito, infierno grande, dice. <ríe> Exacto. Y pues, obviamente, me... en ese momento, especialmente viéndolo una maestra, like, it was like, oh shit, todo el mundo sabe. And like, I have no control over this anymore. I don't think I was the first out gay kid in my school, para nada. Like, there are definitely people who, lo que se nota no se cuenta, uh, or no se comenta. Pero yo creo que as long, up until I think my junior year, maybe, I was the only out gay kid in the time that I was at the school. Y había gente que todo el mundo, like, tenía rumores, or like, tenían ideas de que posiblemente eran queer, or like, se identificaban como parte de la comunidad LGBTQ. Y, pero no fue hasta mi año junior que conocí, like, que había otra persona en el año, este, el año después de mí que había salido del closet también. I was like, oh, cool. Like, there's another out queer person. Y, of course, siendo una escuela chiquita y siendo una escuela llena de chismoso, este, y lo digo con muchísimo amor en mi corazón porque yo era una de esas personas chismosas este, y todavía lo soy eh, pero este, tan pronto esa persona salió del closet era como que ah ok ustedes dos ahora son novios like ustedes dos son lo, like you're the two gay kids must of be course. into each other of course oh my god yes. <laughs> and it's just like that's a lot that has its own, its own thing. Pero I remember thinking like, okay, like I'm just a gay kid. And like, that's why things feel different. And for a while that worked because I am queer. Pero no tenía, like, it wasn't touching on that gender piece that I didn't notice was there in the background. Hasta mi año senior en universidad. Mi primer año senior en universidad. Y I remember like esa primera conversación I was like, is this even a thing I can be? Like, am I allowed to be a non-binary person as a Latino or like as a Latinx person that speaks Spanish as my first language? Like, is this legal? Este, me van a like excomunicar de la comunidad latina. Like, 
eso es parte de, no puedo hablar por otras personas, pero para mí eso era parte de lo que significaba aceptar mi identidad este, no binaria. Era, like, do I need to let go of Latinx identity or like Spanish in order to be non-binary? Y obviamente, no es el caso. Pero en ese momento, and in those first instances of like, I don't know what this means, it was like, cool, do I have to pick? don't realize what goes behind and what what goes through your mind of like picking one means you have to renounce another identity a very strong mm -hmm. identity because it's it's who you are you're born you're a latino so right you can't right. no pueden negar que eres latino but then you're like well in order to 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 fully accept who i am i kind of need to say that i'm this other person too because this is a very big part of who i am but mm -hmm. i think part of go together. what was really hard about that journey was that For a while, I did kind of disconnect from Puerto Rico. Like, I, I was ready to disconnect from Puerto Rico. Let me put it that way. Porque este, a few months after I came out as non-binary, like, to the people I cared about and on Facebook, um, with, but, like, blocking family. I am also somebody who struggles with anxiety and depression. And they got to a point where it just was crippling. And so I ended up taking um, about a year and a half off and had to go back home. So like, mi plan era desconectarme de Puerto Rico por un tiempo, figure out my identity, and then reconnect and come back. And like, as much as having your anxiety and depression get to a point that it's crippling, sucks. <laughs> I'm also grateful porque it forced me to figure out who I was en contexto de Puerto Rico. Pero un montón de las personas que yo conozco que se identifican este, afuera de the gender binary have disconnected from their Latinx identity for a while and like from their Latinx culture and their people um, in order to figure themselves out because it's really hard to figure, to figure out being outside of the binary when the language you're speaking and the language that is being used to describe you is so binary. And so... For some folks, it's a process of like, I need to literally run away from this huge part of me for a bit to figure out my queerness and my non-binary identity before coming back to and trying to reintegrate it. For some folks, there isn't that point of like reintegration. And there's just, there ends up being a lot of like, I mean, me paso a mí, like, fuera de mi casa. Let me not even say that, like, hasta dentro de mi casa. I wasn't really my full self. So part of what non-binary identity to me looks like is presenting pretty like androgynously and like mezclando lo femenino con lo masculino. A veces es super simple, una t-shirt, unos shorts y lipstick. Um, or like some kind of makeup. Uh, or like having my nails done. And other times it's like, I want to wear a fucking dress. Porque hace calor, like, y los dresses son super cómodos cuando hace calor todo el tiempo. But that wasn't something I could do at home. Like, the most I got away with was, like, having, like, nail polish on or, like, wearing lipstick when I went out with my friends and then taking it off before I walked through the door. It isn't 
just that my parents weren't ready to like see that or accept that. It was more, it definitely was a little bit of that, but also a little bit of like personal fear of like, I don't know how people are going to react to this in my family because I obviously have no like context for what this looks like for us. And so in the time that I was in Puerto Rico, I was super lucky connected with a psychologist who just happened to be somebody who was giving talks at the time about non-binary identities being okay in Puerto Rico and like non-binary being a valid gender identity in Spanish. And like he was doing amazing work and was able to help me figure myself out, figure out what non-binary identity looked like to me and also figure out how that fits in in Puerto Rico and like with specifically with like my core family so mi papá y mi hermano um, how does that like, fit in exactly so how do you even discuss this with your parents how do you explain to them in español like uh-huh. hey, this is who I am this is how I want to be referred as or yeah so parte de para mí era like en ese tiempo yo no conocía de pronombre sin género en español. So I was like, no me molesta si usan él, no me molesta si hablan de mí como hijo y qué sé yo, pero quiero que ustedes sepan que no me identifico como hombre, no me identifico como mujer, este, me identifico fuera de eso. And all of this was done in an email at first. <laughs> este, tan pronto... Tan pronto vi que me iba a tener que regresar a Puerto Rico, les envié un email bastante rápido diciendo, este es el post que hice en Facebook, like, con español y con inglés. Esto es lo que significa para mí, like, soy una... No sé cómo describirlo bastante bien, porque el español no me da la oportunidad de describirlo en su totalidad, pero lo que les puedo decir es que no me identifico como un hombre, no me identifico como una mujer, o sea, no soy hombre, no soy mujer. Soy algo fuera de eso. Este, en inglés se le llama non-binary. Después, trabajando con mi psicólogo, descubrí que en español había traducción. Así que, de género no binario o de género no binarie. O sea, no cambia quién soy en términos de I'm the same person, I'm just mad queer. Este, y yo tuve suerte. O sea, mis papás, like... Yo no le salí del closet a mis papás. My mom sat on the edge of my bed one day y me preguntó si yo era gay. Like, that was just that. And like, en general con, like, mi sexualidad siempre fue algo que ellos aceptaron este, y que me apoyaron. It wasn't necessarily something we always talked about, but it was okay. Este, en términos de género fue bastante difícil. Uh, we went through a pretty rocky patch. Y, like, yo me acuerdo tener conversaciones, even before coming out, I was doing a lot of, like, advocacy work and uh, participating in a lot of, like, queer protests in support of trans people at school. Y me acuerdo que una de las cosas, uno de los eventos que había in my university was called Transform. And it was this gender-bending fashion show that we did during Pride, and it was for folks to express their gender in a way that felt good or just to try something on that they didn't normally try on. So, like, a lot of cis women who only wear, like, really, or only present really feminine would come up real butch 
and like strut down the runway like that. And I remember at first I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but like, this sounds cool. So let me try it out. And I thought of it at first as like a drag thing. But then we, so we would all go to this thrift store that's in like about a half hour away. And the thrift store was like, bet we'll provide you all clothing as long as it comes back to us. And like, if y'all want to buy anything at the end of it, you can. And uh, I remember trying to figure out what I was going to like, what my look was going to be. And I was going for really safe things like androgynous pants, like the neutral shirts. And I, my mentor, um, Sebastian, was just kind of like, okay, I see you. I see what's happening here. Uh, and they started suggesting certain things that were like more feminine. And I had a couple friends who were older and like were ride or dies kind of, who were like, oh, I think you'd look really cute in this. And they'd pull something out that was like roughly my size and like was more feminine. And I was like, okay, I'll try it on. Like, haha, it'll be so funny. And I remember like, I put on these kind of like really wide-legged flowy pants. And I was like, this, <laughs> this feels fun. This feels right. This feels like really cool. And I was like, oh, okay. So my piece when I go up on the runway is gonna be about like making commentary about the way we see femininity on masculine bodies. And so I was gonna like combine masculine aspects and feminine aspects. And my first look at a romper with a suit jacket or no it was a romper and like men's shoes and like no makeup and I just kind of walked out and then for the second walkthrough I was like okay this one's gonna be more bold so I got like the flowy pants and I had these like heels that I um, got off of I think like Amazon and then I put like a suit jacket with like a bandeau underneath and I walked on stage like with like a pretty like masculine attitude and then took off the masculine pieces. So like, cambié los zapatos que tenía, me puse los tacos, este me quité el blazer. Y I just like walked down the runway looking feminine. And this friend of mine did amazing like rainbow butterfly makeup. Um, and I was just like so happy without realizing exactly why because it was like expressing a part of me that for at that point 20 years had lived like buried under so many layers of protective masculinity and like even then I was never macho by any sense of the imagination but like I had to at least pretend to be a boy like I could I could push and I could be like flamboyant podía ser bastante fresa pero being a boy had to be there in order for me to be safe and I posted pictures on Facebook and I was just like, my friend did this cool makeup. I just had this really cool experience, did this really fun thing. And I remember going to bed and being like, oh, that was really cool. I wonder what the rest of the, the like, week is going to look like, because that was the beginning of Pride. But like, my mom just had a really bad reaction. She was like, what if the family sees? What if your little brother sees? Este, why would you do that? Like, why would you post this? Why is this something you even would want to do? Tampoco puedo hablar en general por Puerto Rico, pero específicamente en mi familia, o sea, ser una persona trans en Puerto Rico casi siempre se ve como alguien que este, participa en economías de sobrevivencia, o sea, 
prostitución, este, intercambio de drogas, ser una persona deambulante o sin hogar, pero no es algo que se ve a través de like, la razón por eso. O sea, todo el, it's something that everyone talks about. It's like, all the trans people in Puerto Rico are seen as sex workers, are seen as drug users or drug pushers. Uh, and that's just kind of the way a lot of people see it without thinking about why that is. So like, mucha de la comunidad trans no les queda otra opción. O sea, si pierdes el trabajo por ser una persona trans que sale del closet y trata de presentarse como el, el género que tú sabes que tú eres, o este, te botan de tu apartamento o te botan de tu casa sin ningún tipo de otra opción, ¿qué vas a hacer? Vas a terminar deambulando. Si no consigues trabajo de ningún tipo por tu identidad de género y la única opción que tienes para trabajar es o esconder tu género o trabajar en economía más underground, esconder tu identidad es exhausting. Like, Parte de esa ansiedad de depresión that took me away from being at school came from 21 at that point, 21 years of repressing my gender identity and fighting it at every turn. And like the more time I spent in therapy, the more I realized that this is, this had been something I'd known and this had been something I had felt but didn't have the language for. And so, en ese momento con mi mamá, backtracking, este, She was just kind of like, being trans is dangerous because trans people get killed here. Trans people get attacked here all the time. And it's also associated with like all of these things that are not favorable without understanding that it's not trans people's problem. Like it's not because they are trans that this happens. It's because we live in a society that doesn't accept trans people, that doesn't protect trans people, that doesn't care for trans people, that this is, that this is happening. Like, The violence has nothing to do with trans people being trans. It has, some, it has everything to do with the rest of society not accepting trans people. Hey guys, thank you for listening. Make sure to check out the second part of this episode with Gustavo where we talk about personal experiences, being trans in the Latinx culture, and how you can be an ally. Three wonderful organizations you can donate to or support are the Human Rights Campaign, the National Center for Transgender Equality, and Somos Familia Valle. Remember to support your communities. It doesn't matter what you choose to advocate for, just go out there and help, connect, and inspire others to do the same. Download our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you can stay up to date. And join our community on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at LatinX. Reach out and let me know what's important to you. I'd love to hear what you have to say. 